If you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animate chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary. And add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. They were playing Guardians of the Galaxy in Mother Entropy. Oh. under G rather than all new. So we were debating today what at Elusive, what what are, is Marvel going to say when they've run out of all news to put there? It's like, I think there'll be the insipid Iron Man. The, <laughs> the kind of new. The, uh, the same old, same old <laughs> Avengers. Uh, S-O-S-O. Essay. The sick, whatever cool term people will be right, using right, by that right, point, right. you know, sick went back around a couple of times, so I don't know what to call it. But uh, anyway, this is Derek McCott, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and we are podcasting on Wednesday, June seventh, two thousand seventeen, and sitting across from me at the Brett Cave, it's Rick Brett Snyder at the at the table in the Brett Cave, uh, the Brett table, the Brett table. <laughs> By the way, I don't know if you've seen that. I've got a, but the um, Entertainment Earth is releasing a Batcave replica for your desk, like a little for my desk for for your desk. Wow. For, okay, wait. No, it's got you know the computer lights right, up, right. all these lights. Yeah. I was like, wow, this is really Does cool. Does it have the nuclear reactor in the center? Yes. And awesome. it says, okay, so it says you know pre-order, and I go, oh, maybe I will, and pick it up at the con. That's awesome. Seven hundred dollars. Wow! And I went, mm, yeah, no. no. But they do have a tin sign that says Gotham City, fourteen miles. <laughs> so I might buy that. <laughs> that I have a place to put. Doable. And if it's under thirty dollars, I'd be that goes on a tree in the front yard. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, With strange tire tracks. Of course, if there's anything that uh, you know, I say blah. You can find us on iTunes and, and uh, Google Play and your, whatever your favorite. I think really your favorite podcast hosting site, including Fanboy planet.com uh, and if there's anything we talk about tonight uh, that you uh, want to purchase for yourself and uh, you cannot find it at your local brick and mortar store you can find it at the link to amazon.com on each and every page at fanboy planet where also I encourage you to support think geek because Father's Day is coming up and uh, my son does not have a credit card or a PayPal account not yet so he cannot buy anything for me on think geek but maybe you can for your father. So please do uh, through the link there on Fanboy Planet because, again, we get a tiny affiliation uh, kickback from that. Uh, and if you just want to help support and defray the cost of uh, a podcast hosting and a, and website uh, reporting, so forth, blogging, I guess you have to say now that I've been around so long, it was webzining, I think. Uh, you can, of course, go to PayPal and donate money at editor at fanboyplanet.com. But if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. I said that up top uh, because I didn't want to forget it. Uh, because if you're listening to this, you heard maybe we released a bonus episode this week, uh, w- this last week. Seems like only yesterday. 
It seems like uh, just half an hour ago when we were talking to Ben Costa and James Parks. Uh, and so um, I forgot to mention all those things about where to write in and to talk about the things. So, you know, please, please do. Uh, what else was I said? We got some comics news. We got some movie news. We got some TV news. And since this is our second podcast of the night, we really don't have a top story uh, because every story is just tops. Yeah. You can't see me holding my thumb up and my huge cheesy grin. Uh, so let's get right into comics. And I, I would say, cause, um, we just said we were talking about Comic Con. Uh, and of course at Comic Con, we've got two stories tonight revolving around the Eisners. The Eisner Awards being the, I guess the equivalent of the Oscars, uh, for comics. For comics. You know, and really because, um, let's say the one, the Harveys have disappeared. They were separated from Baltimore. Really? Baltimore Comic Con used to give them out, and then they Harvey they, disappeared. They disassociated themselves from. He was an illusion I all get time. that joke. Yeah. Uh, they disassociated themselves from uh, Baltimore Comic Con, but no other convention or event seems to have picked them up. Oh. So looks like there won't be Harveys this year, but there are still Eisners, named after, of course, Will Eisner. And I, I'd say, as I mentioned, you know, they give they give away a Spirit of Retailer Award, and two retailers that I love uh, are both nominated for the Spirit of Retailer Award this year, uh, Elusive Comics and Games and the Com- in Santa Clara, and the Comic Bug in Manhattan Beach. So, and they came together in peace last Saturday when Mike Wellman came and signed his uh, Guns Ablazin at Elusive okay. for the 10th anniversary of Anna owning Elusive Comics, which used to be Brian's books. Uh, so, anyway, tonight our, the two first stories are about the Eisners because, first of all, let everybody know we talked a few weeks ago about the nominees, and some of them are very right. obscure. Right. I, I, Maybe they're not obscure to you. I I tend to run more mainstream in taste, so the older I get, the wider my net goes. They they do th- cast their net outside of the big two comic. Uh, yeah, and very little, very few books or three and stories were not were from DC and or Marvel. Um, so uh, they're often books you may not have heard of before, and you're not sure where to go to get them. Right. Well, Humble Bundle, which is do they they give some of their profits to charity, right? There, when you do a humble bundle, there are three sliders you can use to determine where your money goes. There's it goes to the creators, it goes to humble bundle, and then there's another one for charity. So there's a suggested breakdown on those, but you can you can say it all goes to charity and it will all go to charity. So, and they won't hold it against you. No, that's great. So the point is that they've got a variety of packages this week at humblebundle.com that are full of Eisner nominees. So if you want to catch up, and every year I say, well, I'm going to digital read, versions. I'm going right? to digital versions. Yeah. And, and if you want to, ca- and like it's catching on. You know, I just I recently actually after I don't know how many years of living back in this in the old neighborhood, uh, got my library card so that I could huh. use Hoopla. Yes, and uh, so I actually caught up on the on a Hugo nominee. I finally read Monstrous, oh, and good. so uh, it was good. I get I, I get why people love it, um, and I, I love the art. Uh, but anyway, you know, I so I'm slowly warming to the digital, even though I'm on a very tiny. Does uh, your library have OverDrive as well? Uh, no, they don't. No, oh. they don't. So I know they do. 
but they don't. They didn't offer comics as part of the overdrive. So, okay. but I figured, why do I need both when I've got Hoopla? We'll right, take, no, no, you no. Know, and, Overdrive's and, typically just for audiobooks and paper mm-hmm. prose. So books, I may so. do that for audio, you yeah. know, for, for audio for long drives. Um, but anyway, I don't want to talk about Hoopla or Overdrive right now. I want to talk about Humble Bundle and and make sure that people that want that opportunity to catch up and read some uh, things that might be outside of your taste. Uh, your your regular taste, I should say. Mm-hmm. This is a great opportunity to take a sampler and to also feel like, yeah, I knew that one. I, that one deserves that award. How many times you sit there watching the Oscars and go like, what? I hope that's a good movie. Yeah. yeah uh, well, I, often I do. Yeah. Uh, many. But uh, so this is a chance to do the same for the comics. Uh, they don't live broadcast those yet. I think Comic-Con HQ said they were going to do that last year. I don't think they quite had the. I watched a lot on Comic Con HQ last year, and I don't remember seeing the uh, award show. They totally should have because John Barrowman was hosting and cosplayed as Squirrel Girl. It is something that uh, that uh, the Worldcon does every year. Yeah, they do broadcast the Hugo Awards. Well, then maybe I can watch because this year I think I've read almost all now of the graphic novel nominees. Cool. So I'm very excited to be an informed viewer. Yes. I got to nominate. I didn't get to vote because I'm not. I'm not going to Helsinki. Not, a not not for not for 2017, yeah. but I will for 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hey, people, remember Fanboy Planet. Anyway, uh, no, that's not. That's so cheap. We're not uh, nominated. No, I know we're not. But maybe for 2018. Uh, that for was t- cheap. It was horrible of me. Um, I don't even care. Really. They could write us in. It's it's an it's an honor just to be recording. Uh, so the other story, speaking of the Eisners, is you know they are completely independent, and so it kind of came up this week as a as a controversy that uh, I suppose I've always known this that really um, the Eisners give their no- their nominations, but the publishers don't really campaign. They don't really have an association with it. They will gladly no full page and variety. Yeah. They, for your, for your look, dude, I'm spending most of the summer down in LA. Oh yeah. And, uh, every bus, every, they're having for your consideration yeah. events where if you, for the Emmys and it's just like, Oh, good Lord. But they'll be happy to slap on Eisner winning such and such sure, on a after book the- after the award. So what's come up is that Chelsea Kane, Wrote the Mockingbird solo solo book, mm-hmm. which uh, was nominated for best series. Um, she had no idea that's the Marvel Mockingbird. The Marvel Mockingbird, yeah, it's been canceled. Yeah, um, but she had no idea uh, that she was nominated. And was that the one that was the spinoff of the character, as in Agents of Shield, or is that? Back to the original Bobby Morse. It's Bobby Morse. Okay. Yeah, well, it's Bobby, well, Bobby Morse. Morse on, it's Bobby both, Morse but, on Agents of Shield. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so she had a solo book for a few issues, and it was uh, apparently very good. I apologize, Miss Kane. I did not read it, but now I will seek it out. Um, and maybe it's on the humble bundle. I don't know. But apparently, no one told her, nor did anybody oh. have in place how to get to the Eisners. Oh no. Uh, more importantly. How to get to Comic Con because she's not normally a comics person. She was a writer from outside wow. that they brought in. Wow. And so she found out that, you know, Marvel didn't even have an FAQ. So I think this is actually the long range good thing about this story is that the publisher suddenly realized, well, the least we could do is have a guide, especially as they bring in people from outside the industry. Right. right. Um, into, to, to write 
Like, well, what happens if you get nominated? Okay, this is how you get a pro badge. She right. didn't even have a badge. Well, you think, I mean, how many people got nominated out of Marvel, right? One or three? Three. Yeah. So, you'd, so you'd think that the PR agent and PR group would just be like, hey, we should do this. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, it, it was just, it's interesting. And because I've heard this before is, is I think that every creator, unless they are specifically an invited guest, because every year they'll say like, you know, the, the, these right. are, and I've got friends that are from the East Coast that won't come out unless they're invited guests because it's not, oh, yeah. you know, no. I, absolutely. It, it, I, I understand. People but don't th- make tons of money. But yeah. you'd think that, well, right. And the, and the question thing is, you win the Eisner. As we were just saying here, if it's not televised or or streamed, what is the impact of getting to be at that dinner? Right. You know, it, it's almost it, you know it's almost a hassle. the appreciation of your peers. I think that hopefully out of this and and Chelsea Kane actually tweeted like, you know, it's a class action suit waiting to happen. That if you get nominated, you have to pay your way, you have to pay for your badge, you have to pay for your hotel, right? And you know, so if you want to actually accept the honor, it costs you yes thousands of dollars. Lots. I mean, let's be honest, thousands of dollars. Oh yeah, that a comic book and that's pro, if you don't buy anything on the floor. <laughs> Uh, and we're just talking eating. Hotel. We're just talking eating at the floor. Uh, you know, at the at hot the, dogs. At the hot dogs. Yeah, that's a thousand dollars per per foot long. Um, so uh, then, no, I'm sorry. The nachos are eight hundred bucks. Yeah, but uh, you know, I go with salads. That's nine hundred dollars, and it's only really one wilted lettuce leaf, mm. half a pickle, and a dollar of mayonnaise. Uh, so. And that's healthy for conventions. Yes. Uh, you know, so it, it's just kind of interesting. That, like, I would hope that as the profile of comics keeps getting higher and higher, that something like the Eisners, especially if the Harveys don't exist right now, yeah. um, the Eisners are it. And to somewhat, it's like the Hugo. I mean, I know, I realize that the Hugos, perhaps outside of fandom, specific fandom, like if I were to say to my mother or my brother, hey, uh, can you, you know, it's, I, this got a Hugo. It means nothing to them, but maybe it's people are getting interested in the comics, in the comics industry and reading an Eisner award might mean something. Just as like, I see, you know, in our earlier podcast from talking to Ben and James, but walking into Barnes and Noble, how they have a section set aside as Newberry award winners, yes, yes. because if you know what that award means, right. You know, huh? If I'm looking for something from my kid to read, this is a good place to start. Yep. Unless they specifically said, I want Captain Underpants. What was your first Newberry Award winner reader reader as a kid? You know, that's funny. Um, I still remember mine. Because I remember that seal. I remember that. I remember the seal. Um, I want to say, this is probably not the first one, but it's what I remember was Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. Yeah. Uh. Uh, that's a good one, yeah. Well, yeah. I, mine was uh, the Black Cauldron. I think it was, I think I read that later. Yeah. Um, but it was definitely a guide for me. There was a period in elementary school where yeah. that's I wanted to go to the library. What's the new Newbery Award? You know, yep. and uh, and it took me like a good like an Eisner Award, right? It took me into a lot of different genres. I mean, could we just name two fantasy ones? Yeah. But or I guess Mrs. I guess Mrs. Frisbee is uh, science fiction. But um, technically, uh, but I, I remember I, there was a Holocaust one. I want to say 
maybe it was when Hitler stole pink rabbit. Um, it's a title that you know comes up from my. I mean, it really uh, Julie of the Wolves. I vaguely recall reading that. I think that was uh, Island of the Blue Dolphins. That one, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, you know, so so a lot there. And so I'm, my point is, I still saw that as a guide, and I think the Eisners are in a position right now to really, if they wanted to, but that also requires cooperation from the industry to really support and for the talent involved to. Uh, to feel like, oh, it is special to win this. I'm sure. I'm sure that many do, but it's not the same as the what, what is the that Ben won the Zurich? Was he the Zurich Grand? Yes, yes. Um, which gave him uh, for uh, Pao the uh, Pong the, the wandering, wandering monk, monk. Uh, allowed him to self-publish uh, yes. that for for a long time. And by the way, if you haven't read that, that's a, that's a fun book too. Um, so. Anyway, that's our interesting uh, news this week. I want to make it a little short since we're doing two. It's time to turn to what's in the bag. What's hey. in the bag for you this week? Talk about comics that are coming out. Oh, let's. It could be nominees for next year. Well, I'll start with one that I know is not in your bag because we talked already. That's and true. We did. We talked sometimes. We talked a little bit. So uh, the first issue of a book that Howard Chaikin says is going to get him arrested. And this is Hysteria. It's the Rough and Ready solo, solo book? The Divided States of Hysteria, which has a, uh, a woman on the cover in a, in a U.S. flag-patterned uh, burqa. And um, it's, it's a little rough. I mean, it's what you expect from Chaikin. There's sex and violence and intrigue, and, uh, but this has to do with terrorism on the uh, – on, the home shore of the United States, the the president and vice president were had been taken out by assassins, and then something really, really, really bad happens, and uh, it's what follows up after that. So this is going to be, this is this is no American flag, boys. This is uh, this is intriguing to me because I'm torn looking at that. Yeah, and which is here's my dilemma: Do I? buy the individual issues and run the risk of my son picking up a chicken before oh. I realize that it's in my bag. Yeah. At plus also having to remember to, to read it month after month or do I wait, wait for, for a trade paperback? Trade. Yeah. Uh, from page one, this is adult content. This is uh, adult in every possible way content. And I want to say, my son is really usually very, very good about asking me ahead of time when he takes the bag. Um, and he will not read what I tell him in advance not to. Yeah, he still snuck American Gods number two, but he did not read American Gods number three. Um, and I know that uh, Image does a fantastic job because it's an Image book, right? They do a fantastic job of making an affordable trade paperback. And yet again, I'm torn because it's the kind of book that seems to me like if it's if it's any good, and it's shaken, of course it's any good. Um, it needs to be supported right out, you know, right out of the bat. I will say it is written and art and writing by Howard Jake, and I think the color is done by a, a, another person. Yeah, there's a Will Quintana is doing the cup, uh, and Jesus uh, Arpertov is the colorist and the color color colorist well, as I'm, well. You know, but um, Chaikin is the one man show on this. Really, I don't. He's getting a little long in the tooth. On inking himself, I think. I think his page layouts are still as good as ever. Yeah. But I think he could do with uh, with somebody else inking him. Uh, it's it's just it feels rushed and rough. And I I felt that way reading uh, the backup 
and the Hanna Barbera, uh-huh. the Rough and Ready. I don't know if you if you read that. I read a couple of them. Well, he did a back. He yeah. took on Rough and Ready. It was the most bizarre and yet shaken ask, and it was like, how could he tackle this funny animal book? And it, and great layouts. I love the way what he was trying to do, including a punchline so filthy he censored himself and said. Ask me for it at a convention, and right. I will tell you. No, I read that because I figured out what the punchline was. Yeah, you'll have to yeah. tell me later. Um, I didn't try. It was just hurting my head, just like looking at it and going, this is rough and ready. Like, right. that's one of my earliest right. Hanna-Barbera memories. You know, so eh, it's interesting. Satellite Sam kind of hit me the same way. I mean, I I actually thought the art in, Samurai, in Satellite Sam was better than it is in this, although mm-hmm. this is much denser uh, storytelling than Satellite Sam was. So anyway. I, I didn't finish Satellite Sam because it felt like I'd seen Shaken do that before. And yet yeah. this seems like he's really taking back to an edge and making a point. Yeah. Like the best of Shaken. This is going to start a lot of conversations. It's probably a good thing. Um, he he says in this that he was, uh, I, I think he was out, at least outlawed, but may have been arrested in Canada for Black Kiss. And he says this is the book that's going to get him arrested in the U.S. We'll see. I don't think so, but I don't know. There have been a lot of things. Maybe it's just aspiring. There have been a lot of things that I've said. I don't think so in the last two years, and look where we are. Yeah, I'm sorry. I am the glitch in the matrix. I've decided that. Um, So, mine. Let me uh, get it out of the way. I forgot to bring it. It was actually from last week, Um, but just because I really want to call attention to it, and it's from a smaller press that is not as well distributed. Space Goat Comics. is uh, a book called Heroines by Ted Knife. And uh, it is a, the timing not only could not have been more perfect, but I'm sure it was absolutely calculated to be the book that came out two days before Wonder Woman opened. And it's about uh, a college, <laughs> I actually, had, no, a, a college graduate uh with superpowers, who because she's a woman, the super team try she saves one of the members of the of the the Justice League equivalent, and because she's a woman and they already have a woman on the team, oh. and her powers are more defensive than good for offense, uh, they say, oh, we don't need you, and so she decides to start her own team, including there are it's like it really pushes the boundaries of gender normative. Uh, appearance in, in a super villain who decides it's time for her to reform. Yeah. So um, she wants to try being with the good guys. So it's really, and Ted Knife has always been really good, I think, about really strong women characters. Oh, always. Yeah. You know, Courtney Crumrin, which I think Courtney Crum- oh, no, it's Oni just did a like a $1, hey, try it out, you know, single issue right. reprint. Um, and but it, before that was uh, uh, Bloom Paul- Cookie. Gloom Cookie, Polly and the Pirates. Yeah, um, I, I, I just, I just love Ted's work, and and he just done that Knights Dominion, which was kind of the sword and sorcery version of a super team. So he's playing with a different kind of superhero tropes right now. And Heroines is his most straightforward superhero book. Um, but it's absolutely, you know, who's the publisher? Uh, it was is it Space Oni? Goat. Oh, Space, Space Goat. Goat. It really, yeah, it's a. They have the rights to. The Evil Dead, but not Army of Darkness. Interesting. Which now I finally figured out, just today it clicked, why the why the Stars series is called Ash versus Army of Darkness. It's because they literally don't have, and we said, 
it was Ash versus the Evil Dead, right? Ash, Ash versus, versus Evil, Evil Dead. Dead. It's because somebody else owns the rights to, to the Arnold article, Dead. The Evil Dead. And there's a book uh, called, from Dynamite coming, called Ash versus the Army of Darkness. So it's always, even though that movie's Army of Darkness, they've thrown the Army of Darkness in. You know, so, so Articles! People! Let's be important. consistent! They're important. And the first person who writes in to say, The Watchman is banned from this uh, podcast completely. Nate. All right. So anyway, uh, what's next on your on your uh, your bag? Well, you know, you can't keep a good man down. Or sure you e- can. Even a bad man, a really bad man, who had one of the best books before. And we have this week... Darth Vader, number one, after a 28-issue series. It was 28, wasn't it? Uh, 25. 25-issue series that was just absolutely fabulous, just terrific, uh, terrific story, art, everything about that just hit for me. Uh, we have uh, we have Darth Vader coming back as in his own titled book. And this first issue is $5, four ninety nine. And it is set in a different time period than the previous. Yeah, yeah. And this is this. The other one was pretty much set right after the events that occurred um, in New Hope, because he was living down the 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 uh, having lost the Death Star. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, and he was not in the Emperor's greatest. Uh, he was on his shit list. Anyway, um, one thing I did want to point out is the. The backup story in this, which is called No No Good Deed by Chris Eliopoulos. Eliopoulos. Eliopoulos and Jordi Belair, um, which is... Oh, I love Belair's Which heart. is done in very much a Calvin and Hobbes style. Well, Chris Eliopoulos is the guy who did Son of a Ge- Franklin Richards, Son of a Genius. Right. And does the I Am series with Brad Meltzer. And so you've got a you've got a Calvin and Hobbes style Darth Vader story backing up the You know, I skipped it. But this one, it's got to be in the bag for the next time I have Luke. Yeah, because he's got to read that and enjoy that. So. Yeah, I think I think so. All right. Uh, next again, so I don't miss it. Uh, we just talked about uh, the other podcast, but seriously, this is a recommendation for me this week. Rickety Stitch and the Gelatinous Goo, Volume One: The Road to Epoly. Our previous podcast. It's a very pretty book. It's a gorgeous book, and uh, not only that. Seriously, I, I'm trying to phrase this correctly. Yes, full disclosure, we know Ben and James. I, uh, you know, uh, Nate, Ben's brother, is obviously a really, really good friend. Put all that aside. Honestly, I only hype things that I truly believe are good. This is the third hype this evening. Yeah, but I think only the second one that's been on this particular podcast. It's true that. Um, but I, I, mean, I just want to want to stress that it's like. You know, one thing I, I realized recently about hating the movie King Arthur so bad I didn't even write a review was like, oh, thank God. I don't just love everything because I felt right, like I was right, getting right, into that right, rut. Right. And I'm like, no, no, there, I still, can still feel hate. Stuff hate there. can still burn inside me. Um, this I love. Not only did it have these shots that reminded me of like Ren and Stimpy kind of jokes, it's so cleverly written. It's And I love the story. And I could see this being an animated film, which is not the purpose. I get it. But I want these guys to be as successful as possible because this is such a fun young adult, I guess, but kids appropriate for kids uh, take on kind of a Dungeons and Dragons fantasy with no dragons. Uh, but there's a unicorn and it's just beautiful. And it's such a great first volume in that it's 
it sets up what the long epic could be, but it really does fit nicely as a, this is done in one. This is actually the best way to do a book that has been a webcomic prior to this because this is so overproduced, it's not funny. I'm putting my book uh, judgment And he on. means that overproduced is a good thing. I, I'm, I'm going to explain. The front cover, the the the... The cardboard for the front cover it is it has a cover folded in which which preserves the edge of the covers. You don't do that with every paperback book. You don't do it with most graphic novels. There is selective uh, veneer embossing. On, embo- yeah. Well, it's not embossing. It's they put a shiny coating yep. over portions of the book, and I've forgotten the exact name. It's spot spot veneer. I think it is. Um, on the front cover, the the paper inside is really heavy bound, slick, and the colors in this just pop so amazingly i was i flipped through this and i'm i'm going how much is this i'm going to flip 14.99 i'm going to flip the back cover and see and i was expecting at least 20 20 25 dollars i was for this. willing to spend 20 25 14.95 there is there is no, no 14.99 reason. 14.99 four cents yeah nothing is five cents ends in five cents anymore so uh that's an amazing value that is just uh that's perfect for Personal purchases and for gifts. I mean, and and, it, and 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 don't take my word for it because on the back they got uh, an endorsement from Stan Sakai. Oh, nice. Of Usagi Yojimbo, right. Rabbit um, Samurai Warrior. Yes, I mean, and say, look again. He's another one. Stan Sakai, one of the nicest, oh, yeah. nicest guys in comics. Yeah, but also writes epic stories he's sincere you know and i know yeah. uh ben had a page in that tribute book that uh, dark horse did for yes. Stan. yes um you know which i i was so thrilled for him there and so did gas gretzky had, uh-huh. a, had a picture in there um one of the few art books that i own because it's like wow i know people in it <laughs> um you know so i mean i'm not the only one thinking this book is great but this book is great yeah. get it all right. Rickety stitch. Now, how do I follow that? I guess I follow you that. You don't. <laughs> I don't follow that with this, even though I would I would normally mention, hey, we had another week with another Guardians of the Galaxy book. Uh, how many weeks straight is that? Is that Are we up to five well, or six? It's six weeks because Mother six Entropy weeks. number five came out last week. So how many books have there been total? Maybe like, like 10? I don't know. I don't know. Wow. Uh, instead, I'm going to Dark Knight 3. Ah! Book nine. We have different covers. We do. We did that on two books. This I season. don't even remember what happened in. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. I. I. Here's my. Here's my guilty confession. I don't think I've re- recommended this book before on in what's in the bag. There's a good reason for that. I haven't read any of it. Now that the ninth book is out, I can finally sit down and read this all the way through, and is it maybe the end? maybe it'll make sense. This is the last issue. Oh, it finally ends. Yes, this okay. end, This ends. Uh, book nine Lord. ends. The Dark Knight three. So, um, those of you who haven't been buying the hardcover, the hardcover individual <laughs> issues of this, or the the multiple covers of this, or are are still waiting for both the hardcover and paperback. And don't forget the one shot about the Joker the, that they released. Oh, as that's well. true. That see so that rounds it out to even ten issues for this. Um, and I would say, and even ten percent of it is good. Uh, hopefully, yeah. Anyway, so we'll sit down. All right. Next in my bag, then. Oh, this is the last of, of this. Then yep. is uh, is that. Batman DC Universe Rebirth Batman number twenty four, and only because, and it's been spoiled all over the place, but I won't. Um, there is a major 
uh, event that's going to change DC forever, uh, or at least change Batman. So um, I just want to point that out and say, and, and uh, Tom King and David Finch is back in there. And let's see. Oh, and there's... Uh, is Finch doing the interior? Yeah, part? does the yeah. Pencil, pencils. And then uh, Jordi Belair. There's his name again, doing colors. And who got? Who did the cover? Oh, that's uh, the cover. This is a Tim Sale it's alternate a Tim Sale. cover. Uh, just accidental. I don't seek out alternate covers. Yeah. Um, interestingly, I just noticed this on the back, that the ad uh, is that the Warner Brothers studio tour in Hollywood for the DC Universe, ah. the exhibit, uh-huh. they might draw me back in for that. But... Uh, We'll see. We'll see. I should see if, if we... Where if, is that? In, in in Burbank? Yeah, is it? Yeah. I don't think I've, you know what? No, it's... Uh, I'll be I'll be honest. Can please. I, can I give my... Because I, I took my kids three years ago because they had the Harry Potter exhibit on one floor and uh-huh. the Batman exhibit. Uh, the Tim Burton Batman. It, as a tour, for what they charge you... I can't in good conscience recommend it because you go through stuff and it's like they try to be like the Universal Studio Tour, but there's nothing other than, hey, did you watch, uh, you know, the the Gilmore Girls because this was uh, Stars Hollow or no, Pretty Little Liars. There was a town square that's Pretty Little Liars. So my daughter watched that. Wow. Um, they did have a warehouse where they took you in and they saw the vehicles like the Mystery Machine was there and a few different bat vehicles. Uh, there was a they had the couch set up and the coffee shop set from Friends recreated. Go ahead, sit on the couch, which is the moment I realized my children have never watched Friends, <laughs> and so that meant nothing to them. Right, right. And then can you we get, get coffee here? And then you get no, they don't get coffee. And then you get off and go into a building where they have the exhibits the, for what at that time Harry uh. Potter. And it was just it's clearly like it was an office space that they cleared out to put. Maybe it's better. But they really hadn't they hadn't thought it through into like give and unfortunately this is what I feel even like when you go to Magic Mountain or the Six Flags rides, it's like the the, the theming is an afterthought. Yeah. Because they realize there's money to be made, you know, but it's um Well there has to be cohesiveness to any kind of these Yeah. And unlike props. Universal and it's not like Universal Studio well, Studio Tour is kind of fun. But um They've been at it for a long time. So Warner Brothers is still like nascent. They're really trying to figure it out. Yeah. And when I went three years ago, it hadn't really figured it out. So maybe it's better. I mean, if they're doing this, I will say at least uh, this is a better ad than I've ever seen for it. So that's, that. that's a good step. They got some, they're got they getting things right, so maybe it's better. Um, so let's go to movies. Speaking of Warner Brothers, because the big story this week truly is Wonder Woman. Uh, and let's say the state of the D.C., I don't know when this name started. The DC Extended Universe. You can't call it the DC Cinematic Universe. Because that's Marvel's term. Right. So they're literally calling it the DC Extended Universe, and I don't get that at all. That was what they used to call the Star Wars Extended Universe. No, Expanded Universe. Expanded, expanded, you're right. Right, so you can't call it Expanded Universe, so it's the Extended. Extended. Um, And they got TV, so that's different. I I don't know. I don't know. So the DCEU, that is our that is the new acronym. Ew. Uh was changed forever last weekend by the opening of Wonder Woman, which made 103 million dollars domestically in one in in its opening weekend, uh surpassing several Marvel films. Not that I consider that when people say, you know, it's like 
eh, okay, it surpassed, but what does yeah. that really mean? Yeah. However, uh, I would be as spoiler free as possible, which is I sat, I went to see a late night Thursday night showing because I was like, I can't wait. I have to know. I, you know, I have to. And when it was over, I went, wow, I wish I'd seen that in 3D. And I almost never said, and I've had friends say, oh, you don't need to see it in 3D. But I'm like, no, I kind of, th- I really? kind of want to, yeah. not because I think you had to, but because I thought there are some shots that she, that Patty Jenkins did that I'll bet look really cool in 3D. And it's I, all this slow motion action spin around stuff, isn't and it? Can I say here's the difference? I think she inherited a look because Zack Snyder. Let's be honest, he's directed Man of Steel. He uh, did Batman v Superman, right? And even though they're going into reshoots. Uh, a large portion of Justice League is going to be him. So they have a house style. I actually don't have a problem with that. But what Patty Jenkins did is the slow-mo, and I, I I hope I'm not talking out of school to quote that I had a nice conversation with Susan Avaloni about that on, on Saturday. And she loved it. She said it was the first movie, action movie um, where she didn't turn away from the action. Oh. And she agreed, and I think I shouldn't say she agreed with me. We both had the same reason why it worked. Turned was, away from the action or the violence? From the violence, but okay. the action, you know, that kind of scene. Right, right. Because what you see is instead of it's just done because they think it makes a cool shot, what Patty Jenkins has done is made it so that you can see what is going on. Right. And more importantly, there actually is emotion. Um, I know people might take a little issue with, with, with it because, of course, like there's no spoiler to say. Wonder Woman comes from a period she's here to bring peace and love, but she fights. She can kick ass with the best of them. But if you watch this, and there's a there is a scene that is going to become iconic, and you know, be it already is. If most people have seen it, they'll be iconic for years to come. I'm not saying this is a perfect movie, but. There are, but it gives me the, you know, there's an iconic scene and it is clear in all these slow-mo that Diana is horrified by what she has to do. Mm. She doesn't want to, but she's going to be efficient. And I thought that's like, that's Gail Simone writing her. That's Greg Rucka writing her. That's uh, George Perez. It's uh, you know it's, it's a subtlety this lost on a lot of directors of, as well. The, it's the best of the comics. The emotion through this, and Gal Gadot is luminescent. And I didn't. I thought she was good in Batman v Superman, but what did you get to really see of Diana? Right, right, right. But in this, you go. I'm not going to say Linda Carter who, but she is. I was always aware of Linda Carter as Linda Carter because of the celebrity of it. Gal mm-hmm. Gadot, to me, I hadn't seen her in anything else. I know she was in Fast and the Furious and yeah. of those movies. She inhabits the role of, of Wonder Woman the way that Christopher Reeve inhabited Superman and the way that Chris Evans inhabits Steve Rogers slash Captain America. And I didn't know how badly I wanted that and how badly I needed that. Yeah. And... So even though there are things that yeah it follows the numbers of a lot of superhero movies, there are so many things that don't. And Chris Pine is so good as Steve Trevor, who is, let's face it, kind of a useless character. In com- I mean, he's a character that, to me, in comics, nobody really knows what to do with Steve Trevor. He got his own book this week. Yeah, which I refuse to pick up because I'm saying, <laughs> you still don't know what to do with Steve Trevor. Right, right. Um, Greg Rucka may, maybe did. But, you know, it, it, it's... 
he's a character that's there because he was created in 1940 because right. you wanted to have an opposite to Lois Lane. Sure. Um, and they give a justification for him in this movie. And Chris Pine is so good in it. And they they share a banter that's almost like a 40s, uh, you know, screwball comedy. It's It keeps threatening to break out thin into man that. Kind of. uh, thin, yeah, there's, it, there's a good, there's a chemistry. There's a really strong chemistry. And Lucy Davis as Etta Candy is really good and not just a comic relief. And I think that's what makes it. It makes it work because this is a movie. I mean, she, she never took place in World War One in the comics, but by placing it in World War One, I, I thought it was really interesting because you suddenly realize there's an issue of Turkish involvement mm-hmm. and what's happening in the real world right now. We're concerned about that, about Turkey. I mean, you know, there's uh, er- Erdogan, and um, and just the the sense of this is a movie about. Like to some extent, Captain America: The First Avenger was the horrors of war, and and that Diana is desperate to believe that it's Ares's fault, mm-hmm. and I, you know, and, and it's just like it, it's just a really fascinating story and really well done. As a result, you know, the controversy this week is what? Why didn't they sign Patty Jenkins to a contract like three picture deal? And I'm like, and reality is. They never sign somebody who is as good a director as she is and has been working in television for years. Uh, she directed Monster back in 2003, got a, you know, Oscar. It is a, it is a travesty. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to throw that word around lightly. I, I say it's ridiculous that that woman has not directed a film since 2003. Just as I think it's ridiculous that, uh, Bigelow, uh, Catherine Bigelow, who did The Hurt Locker, mm-hmm. um, you know that it, she has such a struggle. It's like they're great storytellers. What? What? You know, I I, I don't get it. Right. Except yes, uh, we're sexist uh, as a as a culture. Um, and another thing, it's a big risk, but it, but it's not. And and what I, but that's the position she was in. Why would they sign her to a multi picture deal when they didn't know for sure that Wonder Woman was going to work? Just as they don't know that The Flash is going to work. They don't know that any of their movies are going to work. They know several haven't worked. And they made money, but nobody liked them. Whereas this is the first time that, ooh, everybody likes it. And You know, I wonder if, you know, we all, I'm sorry, I was going to diverge. Okay. We, we talk about, you know, they made money, the pictures make money. But did they make, did they make the money in merchandising that pictures people really love? No, we don't, we don't leave the, the merchandising. In fact, I was just reading an article about that, that, Merchant, in particular, toys yeah. don't make what they used to. Yeah, and so people are really pulling back from action figures because they say it's really only the high, the highest profile, most successful uh, films. Uh, there was stuff and like TV a shows. Ton of Guardians of the Galaxy stuff. Well, because everybody loves Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. I mean, you know, and we'll I'll add it in. We can talk a little bit uh, uh, later about that, but. Um, when they talk about the, you know, how much money the film made, they're talking just about the movie. Right, right. No, I'm, what I'm saying is we know from Star Wars that a large amount of money can be made in the aftermarket sales and the toy sales. And, well, and flip side, this cars. is the reason cars we're, yeah. we're getting to Cars 3. Yeah. Because Cars essentially revived Hot Wheels. Yeah. All those cars, you know, that it, it's not because those Pixar movies – I like Cars 1. I didn't like Cars 2. I don't uh, know how I feel about Cars 3 because it's just getting creepy. But um, – 
but the toy sales are amazing, but they don't report that. Right. You know, it's, but that's why, that's why they keep doing it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I look back as Zack Snyder, I think before the podcast, I was saying he was signed to a three picture deal when he went on to man of steel, but that's because he had already done 300 and he did Watchmen. And he did Sucker Punch, but nobody likes to talk about it. Uh, the, a I movie. Like uh, no, I've read these. I've read these criticisms. Don't don't give me that look. You were with me at that screening. We both went. What the hell was that? And then sometimes I like what the hell was that. And then I no, it wasn't a good. What the hell was that? And I and then I've read articles that say, well, you you clearly didn't understand the film. It's like I read so many cri- so many critiques of Sucker Punch that say I missed the point. That I almost almost want to go back and watch it again to see if I'm. If if I d- respond as as poorly a second time, or right. if I'll go like, well, all right, okay, because I still think Zack Snyder's a, a great visualist, um, no matter what. Yeah. Um, but the only reason he had that three picture deal, which by the way was for Man of Steel, Man of Steel Two, and Justice League, and it's interesting because I've said all along that the only reason Batman v Superman exists is because. People didn't like Man of Steel, and a week before Comic-Con, they went, crap, we can't announce Man of Steel 2. Uh, why don't we do Batman v Superman? Uh, or Versus, because I still don't know why it's called Batman v Superman. Right. Like, it's a legal challenge. Um, but, you know, I mean, that was a Hail Mary pass, and uh, I, got mixed, I got mixed issues. But when you look at where DC films are, um, we're in a weird state of flux, uh, because... Now people are saying, well, where, where's Wonder Woman 2? I said, well, they don't have room for Wonder Woman 2, except they've stopped talking about certain films. Cyborg, nobody's talking about a Cyborg solo movie anymore. Yeah. Uh, no one's talking about Green Lantern Corps. Though there are rumors that Green Lantern will sh- a Green Lantern will show up in the Justice League films somewhere. Um, they're still trying to figure out The Flash. I, I will guarantee you Aquaman will happen because I know they're filming because we've seen pictures from it. Yeah. Um, we think the Batman will happen. Joss Whedon's working on Batgirl, and this week they started reshoots on Justice League because Henry Cavill uh, cut and pa- copied and pasted a Wikipedia and ent- uh, entry on Action Comics number one and Instagrammed a f- picture of him with his boots on yeah. up on a coffee table and tights. Yes, uh, and it looks like a, a shinier blue. So I'm hoping that means Hopefully. they picked up. Um. And I don't think the reshoots are a bad thing or a sign of that this was in trouble. And as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, you know, Zack Snyder stepped off the film because of suffering a horrible personal tragedy that every time I think about it, I want to cry. I really do. Yeah. Um, so I'm still saying, man, all good thoughts to you, Zack Snyder, as, as, a, as a human. Whether I respond to your art or not, you know, most importantly is is you being a, a decent person taking care of yourself. So, uh, like he's listening, but you know, whatever jaw, the stitching together of Joss Whedon and Zack Snyder creates, I'm hoping will be a great film, but we, or a fun film at least. And we, we will, th- that's all we can guarantee. Where's wonder woman two? I don't know. Is there going to be Gotham city sirens? Is it going to be, uh, we, we hope Batgirl will happen. Somebody, one of the cast members, the guy who played Rick Flagg, said he was reporting back for Suicide Squad 2. And I'm like, what? Who's talking about a Suicide Squad 2? Good Lord. What's what? What's going on? And I, I just think DC doesn't know. And so what I'm hoping is um, Jeff Johns 
initially said that he and Alan Heinberg had collaborated on the Wonder Woman script and only Alan Heinberg got a credit. So I think Jeff John's doing the producer thing and being smart to step back and just say, you know, but he's, he's putting a guiding influence and that's, that's good. But let's get Patty Jenkins in because she's got a humanity and a heart and let's create a, let's let DC films create a brain trust. You've got Joss Whedon. He knows how to handle these kinds of universes. Let's bring in Patty Jenkins, Jeff Johns. When Zack Snyder's ready to come back, maybe Zack Snyder's part of it. Um, you know, so I, I can I can hope that this really does mark a turning point for them. I, I rewatched the Justice League trailer today just to kind of like go, well, now that I've seen Wonder Woman work. Does it change anything in my mind? And I'm like, eh, I, don't, I don't, I don't know if it does more than just. I just keep having hope, and finally, one didn't disappoint me. Which is the the it's Gotham Sirens again? Gotham City, yeah, Gotham Sirens. I've also heard it as Gotham City Sirens, but I, I don't know. And who's who's attached to that one? Uh, David Ayer, who did Suicide Squad. Okay, but it's Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, right, right. Batgirl and uh, Black Black so, Canary. So if I was going to pick one, obviously I'd pick the the Batgirl film for being something that could lead by example. Unfortunately, it sounds like it's coming real late in the stack. You know. Yeah. No, and I, I'm okay. I don't. It doesn't have to be in a set order for me. No. You know. Um. It it would just be. It, it is interesting because the flip side is, look, Marvel. Well, you I'm had thinking, a chance. You could have done a Black Widow. You could have pushed Captain Marvel up higher. Right. You knew the hunger was there. All you had to do was do it right. Yeah. And uh, so we'll, you know, we'll see. And but this is the thing. Let's go. The competition between the two, it's friendly this weekend. You know, uh, because I want to throw one other. You know, uh, that Dwayne Johnson, who cannot cannot keep a secret to save his life, <laughs> is like, oh, Black Adam is going to appear in a DCEU when. And not necessarily in a Shazam film first. So I don't even know what's happening with Shazam when that was the one I was looking forward to the most. Um, you know, so Marvel and DC, maybe this is the, the back to a friendly rivalry. You know, but Marvel had a chance. And I'm just, I'm just disappointed that, that they didn't make it, but I'm really glad that Wonder Woman was the first yeah. to hit. So I'm glad I, they finally I, have a hit. And I want a Wonder Woman 2. I want a Wonder Woman 2. I mean, that's the other thing I'll say. Not only did I want to see it again in 3D, but I'm like, okay, now, where are you going to go with this? Well, does, I mean, don't answer if it's too spoilery, but at the beginning of Batman v Superman, she's kind of hiding out. Right? Yeah, it clarifies a, a little bit better at the very beginning. Has um, she been hiding out since World War One, or is it potential that we... There's enough... Because it kind of feels like Ant Man to me, you know. Like I think that they could still tell another story in, in that, that time space. period. Okay, but if they don't, there's also enough explanation. It's not spoiler to say World War One is so devastating to her. The yeah. whole concept of it having happened that I could see that that would be, but that she's been hiding. I think to clarify her role in the modern day is that she's like a curator for the Louvre, and that's in the first minute. You know, okay. that's no spoiler. That's just like, because, you know, it's a framing sequence in modern day. Sure. Flashback, because we have the photo from right, Batman right, v right. Superman. So then it's like, where did that photo come from? So it's really like she has that recollection. But um, so if they went back into the into 1918, I'd be thrilled. If they did modern day, okay. You know, I, 
I just think there's more room to tell, but I don't know that, they, that they'll do it. I don't think they don't know. You know, no. Patty Jenkins has said, well, I had some ideas, but, you know, we'll just see, see where that goes. Uh, this week, by the way, is the 35th anniversary of The Wrath of Khan. Speaking of flashbacks. One of my favorite and, movies of yes, all time. And the reason I say it, I mean, aside from I, I do love it as well. Um, but uh, Nicholas Meyer gave an interview this week in which he hinted, we knew he'd come out of retirement. Actually, I didn't even know he'd officially retired, but he came out of retirement to work on Star Trek Discovery. But he hinted that he's writing something else for Star Trek. And the follow-up question was, well, uh, isn't Discovery the only television project there is? And he said, yes, you could say that. So... The question maybe is, is we'll assume that there's supposed to be a Star Trek four. He writes prose novels too. I mean, 7%, 7% solution before it was made a movie. I don't know why I understand that, but would you not love oh, him to tackle the Kelvin timeline certainly. And, t- and put his spin, certainly. I, which the Kelvin time as, as uh, Keith R.A. Candido, who's been a Star Trek novelist, he's been writing mm-hmm. reviews of all the Star Trek yep. things for, for tour.com. Uh, I met Keith a couple of years ago at Comic-Con, so I've been kind of following his his work. And he pointed out about Star Trek II is that Star Trek II, as great a movie as it is, did not truly get Star Trek the original series. It changed it. And into something more, much more militaristic and much more, you know, uh, not the Federation the way Gene Roddenberry really saw it. Because, of course, Roddenberry had been fired, essentially, like, right, you know, put right. off to the side. Nicholas Meyer redefined Star Trek. The Kelvin timeline is definitely Nicholas Meyer's Star Trek. It's, it, it's, it, it's, I would agree. It, yeah. it, it, it's, someday there's a great topic about I, that I would love to do a panel at a con like Baycon and say, like, to actually discuss what people think they know about characters and how those characters actually are. Because I recently also read a great article about how you think about Kirk as a womanizer and you look at the original series and it's like, that actually isn't him, but the jokes came. Yeah. And then Chris Pine's version of Kirk is based on the jokes and the stereotypes instead of who that character actually was. Right. So I I think there's a ripe discussion somewhere, not necessarily on this podcast, but it'll be a fun panel to do. Um and I wish I'd thought of that in time for Bacon because that would have been fun to, to have <laughs> yeah. that conversation, especially now that we know these, you know, the guy from Cinema Blend and uh, and uh, you know there there are other groups. Well, it'd be great to get Chuck Surface on a panel mm-hmm. um, and JC, you know, for that matter from uh, from Nerdvana. Nerdvana. I'm sorry, I wanted to say Nerdables, and that's Chris Kohler, uh, another friend of mine. Your consonants kept lo- leading me on the <laughs> wrong path. I'm having a little trouble. I'm feeling yeah. a little reclamped and uh, yeah. clogged. Uh, well, and this Coke Zero is not doing it. You're enough. about a, a pint down. Uh, is it a pint? I, I can't do Left. the conversion. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, let's get excited about that. And then uh, last week when I saw Wonder Woman, the trailer for Murder on the Orient Express, which I know uh, – and I have it in my notes, but I'm going to say it to the listeners, is one of Rick's favorite movies, the 70s version with Albert Finney as Hercule Poirot. And all the other characters. And, and uh, because all the other was actors. it a Gallifrey one that there was a there was a train party and all these posters up for Murder on the Orange Express. And you like, 
I, I think you spilled your drink. You were so excited to look at all these I pictures. I probably had a couple of drinks before I spilled Well, that's that probably drink. true, but I didn't want yeah. to say that. I think I was going to say it was your fascination with the, with Agatha Christie. But anyway, now – That's Bre- just one of the perfect movies. It's just Right before the podcast, so you, have now, you have now watched the trailer. What do you think? Um, I'm a little nonplussed about the trailer. I mean, it, it's a preview trailer, and they go through a bunch of – you know, they – they do some scenes that, if you know the story, kind of mean something. But otherwise, you're watching a train having trouble in the snow, and then something. I honestly happened. thought it was the Snowpiercer two trailer, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "No, I don't want to watch that." And, yeah. th- and then you're 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 doing a slow camera roll down the center aisle of a train, where these little pop up uh, titles, a la uh, a la Sherlock or or. Uh, uh, what was the yeah. fringe? The fringe used it's to do those three D. It's definitely chasing a trend. It's, in, it's and that may just be the trailer, which doesn't feel period at all. Um, no. So yeah, no. It's, I mean, and this is supposed to be a. It should be a period piece. Uh, yeah. I, and the choice of music took me right out of it too. How did you feel about Kevin Kenneth Branagh's mustache? It was an impressive mustache. But it shocked me. I'll be honest. Did it? I I think it's aerodynamically stable, though. Definitely for snow, (laughs) for snow traveling, for running on top of a train. But I I remember not that he does. Finney, Finney in it. You know, he's got when he's getting ready to go to bed in his cabin. He's got like this little hammock for his mustache that he puts on his head to keep it from getting smeared around. You know, and and I guess my thing is, I'd read some of the books. I had a brief flirtation with Agatha Christie. Agatha Christie, yeah. Uh, reading both Miss Marple and uh, and Hercule Poirot. Actually, I started at the end. I read Curtain first, uh, which was the last Hercule Poirot right. uh, novel. Um, and so I had an image burned into my head that I don't think the I don't think any version I've seen on film or television has veered from that image because didn't uh peter usenoff played poirot in, uh, in death the, on the nile yeah yeah um you know and albert finney there in murder on the orient express i think somebody else did a there movie. was another one too yeah um, i mean it was david suchet on bbc and who ten little uh ten little no that's not a poirot that's okay oh, and by the way that title is no longer politically correct it is and then there were none um okay um, but that was not that. That one does not have one of her recurring detectives. Okay, so I, you know, I, I'm just. It's interesting because I will see it because it's Kenneth Branagh, and uh, I was talking with a friend who loved it because she loved Dead Again, which is a movie I really want to be on Blu-ray so that I can get that and watch again and again because I think I think Branagh really knows because he's directing as well, and it's just like he is one of those guys. Even when the movie's bad, yeah. I, I want to see. His direction. I want to see his direction. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, his I hand. want to watch him. I, I, yeah, but I mean, I'll still go with. There's back to uh, when people are complaining about Patty Jenkins not getting signed to Wonder Woman two. It's like no, there had they had no better director for Thor than could could have been than Kenneth Branagh, and they didn't bring him back for Thor: The Dark World. Right, and that movie sucked. Yes. Well, well, it didn't suck. It was just it, it was, was a, it was. It was lower. It's a dark on the time. It's a dark most, time. Yeah, Ragnarok. It's gonna rock. But, yeah, you know. So anyway, yeah. no pun intended. Uh, let's say t- turn to TV. Uh, you're caught up on American Gods. I am not caught up on American Gods, unfortunately. 
uh, okay, this last week, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that's almost heretical, except it's not because Neil Gaiman is intimately involved oh, in yes. the production. Yeah. It's better than the book. I, I think it's I and I was saying this after the first episode that the way he's telling the story this time accelerates you into the more interesting parts of the book and um and he's twisting the timelines and the stories around a little bit to mm-hmm. just kind of invigorate it more because that was that that was a book as much as I loved that book I started it four times before it actually got caught Oh up I devoured it. it the first time around yeah. um I, I need to go back to it but I'm but yeah. now I'm now I'm involved in the expanse. Yes. Thanks Bacon. Um I uh, and I mean I love the expanse. You should read the no- uh, novels. No, I mean I, I'm reading the novels. Oh, you are. That, that, yeah, that's uh, is, I'm I'm, and that's taking my time. Okay. Um, but this last week's episode, at least half of it wasn't from the book at all. Oh, okay. Uh, he added a god, oh. and uh, it's it, it's Mister Wednesday's encounter with Vulcan, and what Vulcan has done to maintain worship in the 21st century, and it's chilling. I'm not going to be like histrionic, but it's chilling, and okay. it's a, and, and it's the episode that I think veers the most from the book as well. You know, they begin with the coming to America stories. This episode begins with uh, Mexican illegals crossing the river, so it's the the reference of the Mexican Jesus. And uh, so I, this is a deep show. Yeah. And I mean, it was a deep book. I've always yeah. felt that. But oh, yeah. and re- realized they have two episodes left. And Stephanie turned to me and said, Can they finish? And I said, But they're not going to. They're renewed. You know, it's right. like they're not even like a quarter of the way yeah. through the book. And it's like, you're going to end this and just be like, what the heck is going on? Except if you've read the book, you do know where it's headed. But it's like, oh, I can see nothing other than a fantastic cliffhanger. And Emily Browning in this next week's episode is going to play a dual role as not as uh, Laura mm-hmm. um, and one of the flashback. I can't remember the uh, the uh, pickpocket uh, Irish girl immigrant from like the 19th century. So that things that Neil Gaiman always wanted to intimate and now on film he can do is like, oh, actors can play dual roles because they're meant to have this, this thing. It's just a tremendous, tremendous show. I, and, I, I, I'm so impressed with what um, what cable TV has been doing with storytelling and adaptations recently and especially they're going to, I mean, I keep on seeing the commercial, the the Dark Tower keeps getting commercial coverage in like the NBA games mm-hmm. and stuff. I mean, just like, and that just looks fabulous too. And but, yet, I would rather see the Dark Tower as a ser- as a TV series. I sure would. I sure would. But what I was going to say was, Gaiman always. I think Gaiman's storytelling has always been prose visual. You know, coming mm-hmm. out of the comics, and, but he paints pictures. He does. Yeah. With, yeah. And. I think he's particularly good for media crossover. I mean, I, if I wish they had had the money to do other Oh, let's use the real phrase. Transmedia. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. So, uh I wish we they want had, to seem like insiders. I wish they had had the money to do um 
uh, is it Otherworld? Wait a minute. It's the one under, under Neverwhere. Neverwhere. Neverwhere was was only thing about that that hurt was not having the budget to do the Minotaur. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I'd love to see them take that on again, but there's one book that I'd really love to see somebody ad- adapt of his, and that's The Ocean at the End of the Lane. I'm, I'm surprised that's not in development. I mean, I shouldn't say it's not. I don't know, but I, I you know, it, it is interesting. Um, you know, because sometimes you, I, I, we'll call it out. You know, you said I'm a little too inside, but I'm fascinated by how the sausage is made in, in terms of entertainment. Yeah. So I do try to keep track on, you know, and we just had a conversation about what do DC films do? Because I want to see this and, you know, because people always come to me, you know, on, on Facebook or on the page and go like, well, why did they do this? And, blah, you know, I'm like, well, one, because it's a business and there's money, but, you know, yeah. there are reasons and it's a risk. And, and gaming is hot right now. And it's long overdue because oh yeah, he's just one of those authors that resonates with me, and it's not you know most people who've seen one of his films, seen a film based on one of his work don't don't know his name, you know right right was it Starlight uh, uh, Stardust 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 was um, you know there's no yeah. no author attachment to that. Yeah, you know, but the one thing that Gaiman has said is with the success of American Gods, it gives him hope that maybe what will happen is Warner Brothers will just say to hell with it and turn Sandman over to a TV series Ooh. because that's where it should be. Yes. This is preacher, be which ep- is episodic, which, TV you series. know, preachers, a preacher is coming back in a, in a week or two. Uh, and there's a perfect example of how you can take what seemed to have been. There's no way a movie is going to tackle this. Right. <laughs> I'll be honest. I thought there's no way a TV series is going to tackle it. And they did. And they didn't. Yeah. And they did. Enough. They kept the spirit and enough of the moments that I needed were there. And I, I, I'm drawn into that series. Like, I'm, you know, drawn into, I did manage to watch, because I know you want to say it, one episode of Twin Peaks, and then it was not fair to expose. Did you watch one episode, or did you watch episode one and two? No, I episode. Well, I just watched one episode. First, episode one. Okay. Because it was not fair to draw uh, my, my significant other... <laughs> Into Twin Peaks without having uh, watched the, watch the original. Oh, yeah. It was sort of a thank you for tolerating the first episode that I am utterly fascinated by. It's a science experiment, a sociological experiment. <laughs> it does feel we like, have a test case it of people. It feel like that. Except my heart broke seeing the log lady. Oh, yes. Um, and you know the backstory. No, too, I do. So, I don't yes. know. I'm going to suddenly finish. It is, yeah. I was lucky enough to two years ago two christmases ago to see her on stage oh she was in the uh oregon shakespeare festival production of into the woods which they moved to beverly hills oh that must have been great so she played the giant's wife and um and they gave her another role too in in act one uh oh i think she was jack's mother and so it was, you know, it was like we saw this production and I went, oh, man, she's great. I finally seen the log lady on stage because I knew she'd been part of the Shakespeare Festival for years. And I have many friends who knew her and finally saw her on stage. And it was like right after that production closed, they said Catherine E. Colson is fighting cancer. Mm-hmm. So I'd seen her as a tremendous actress as somebody else. And then you see her in Twin Peaks and it's just like, oh, God, you know, she's it, just hanging on for this role. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it really it, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, and you throw that aside, it's just I was so excited to see all the people come coming back. Yeah, you know, and just like ah, oh. 
Um, Ray Wise does show up in the first episode. No, he doesn't. Doesn't no okay. the um, Tony uh, Beamer uh, the. I say Tony from West Side Story. Uh, oh, Ray. Uh, no, no, Ray. Um, Richard Beamer. Richard Beamer shows up. Riff is also there. Yes, right, he br- right. briefly. Yeah. As I had to explain that. But um, it's weird to see how some people have aged. And even Richard Beamer has not aged that much. Yeah. It was just like, wow, that's, that's great. But his brother totally had. It was like, who's that coot? Oh, it's, uh, it's I can't remember that actor's name, but I, I used to love him. Um, my impression of Cooper of of uh, of uh, Cooper, uh, the uh, actor of uh, Kyle McLaughlin. Kyle McLaughlin is he does not look twenty five years older than he was in the show originally. Although he did look, you know, when you look at the original shows, he looks like he's fresh out of school. Yeah, but it almost feels like they're trying to say he was in suspended animation in the lodge, but it was really wrecked him. <laughs> So maybe I was thrilled to see Michael Horse come back. Oh yeah, talk about an actor that I wish had. I mean, almost everybody on Twin Peaks, I wish had a bigger career than they did yeah. on film. There's a lot of controversy about the discussion of the word Indian on that show too, because the the Lucy says you're 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 an Indian, and he doesn't react to it. Uh, in a negative way. Well, I would say American. he must have been okay with it, and that's one yeah. of those things. I mean, I know here it's, we once again. I'm reacting to the middle aged white guy saying that, but I'm like, yeah. if the guy, if the guy is, uh, he suffer does not suffer fools gladly. Uh, he knows he's a, you know he's a special project, and I wish that he had done more. But I suspect part of it is he did his he didn't tr- want to yeah. maybe. Um, but he is, he's one of those, I have always loved Michael Horse. You oh, know, yeah. he's the, well, he's not the only good thing, but in the movie that will never be released on Blu-ray, The Legend of the Lone Ranger, when he played Tonto, he was the best thing about about that movie. Yeah. Maybe the only good thing about it. Now, I saw Christopher Lloyd as Butch Cavendish was interesting, because I'd never seen him at play a role other than Jim at that time. Right. Um so I mean, he's just always been a favorite, and so I. There, there's so many, there's so many characters in that show from the from the word go, and they just keep every episode that you get two or three more new ones that came back. Yeah, out of the show I'm, and, you know, I I, say, I I was indulged. I got to watch the first one. Yeah, and now I'm just going to go ahead after my next paycheck. Okay, I will do the 30 day Showtime trial because there's that and the I'm dying up here show that I want. Oh yeah, watch. that looks really good. Yeah, you know, so which has one of my favorite stand ups, Al Madrigal, and I. So oh yeah, I I, yeah. I, I, I really want to see that. Uh, let's look to things in the future. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow is join is being joined by the mighty ISIS is appearing. Uh, Tala Ash is the as the actress i think that's wonderful <laughs> and she is described as a gray hat activist i think that's fantastic that we're reclaiming isis for heroism i i, I she was uh now you weren't you never saw that in the original yes you, i did did you how old were you four nine nine really the secret of uh the secret of ISIS? the secrets of isis yeah she spun like linda carter right uh, eventually, no. Yeah. To trench, she would say, "Oh, uh, oh my!" It was like ISIS. this. She would just, "Oh, mighty ISIS!" She would, she would grab the talisman. Uh, that was Joanna Cameron was the actress. I yeah. can't remember the uh, the. She was an archaeologist who had found the talisman, and she would, and then it would change. She become ISIS, right? And then, and she had a raven named Tut, 
And uh, then she would say, oh, Zephyr winds that blow on high, lift me now that I may fly. That's and it would look spin. like a spin. Right, right. I have it on DVD. Oh. It did not age well. Um, I have Shaz- I have all of Shazam, too. I love that as a kid. I mean, no, absolutely. Yeah. You weren't a kid. If I uh, was nine, I was probably you were 23. Uh, no, so... <laughs> But it was 1974, and so this yeah. is this is full circle because what happened is Isis was not a DC property originally. She was created by Filmation to be a companion piece to Shazam, the Captain Marvel show, with right. Michael Gray, which, by the way, you can find an interview with Michael Gray uh, on Fanboy Planet. Take a look. Um because that was a thrill. I, you know, talk about top, just the fact that I got to sit in a room with Michael Gray that as a kid never thought I would get to sit with Billy Batson and he looks pretty much the same. Yeah. And, you know, he's cool. A really nice guy. Um, so she started that way. And then the DC did the DC TV line. So they had, they did a Super Friends book. Shazam had already existed, but they made Shazam, the comic book, look more like the TV series. Uh-huh. Uncle, Uncle Dudley became mentor. And drove, and they drove the van and right. uh, the Winnebago. That's what over. they had out on the TV show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, um, he grew a mustache uh, so that he would look like Les Tremaine, the actor who played mentor on the on the show. Uh, and they did Welcome Back, Cotter. And then they did. Uh, I don't. That one doesn't make any sense to me. No. But you know. And they did ISIS. So she had a few issues in the seventies. Then Jeff Johns brought her back after Infinite Crisis. And she became the uh, brought her back or put her officially into DC right, continuity right, right. Uh, as part of Infinite Crisis as Black Adams. Uh, she basically turned Black Adam good, right, uh, or good-ish, a good woman uh, and a bad man to sort of the Black Adam that he is in Injustice Two right now. Uh, you know, who sometimes has a point for why he's uh, yeah. There's a line in Injustice 2 where I'm like, wow, um, Black Adam gets statesmanship better than our current president. <laughs> it was like really just like, what? Uh, and the world is upside down. But uh, so to have a return to TV is like that is full circle and it's cool. It's a different secret identity. It's a different um, setting for her. Well, hopefully the but pull, it's really cool. she'll be she'll be time framed right for an archaeologist and stuff. Well, no, she's if she's a gray hat, it's modern day. Oh, is that right? If she's a gray hat, that means she's a hacker. Oh, okay. You know, so they're black hats, gray hats, and white hats. Oh, gray hats. hat activists. I see. Yeah. Okay. Um, Luke Cage season two has begun filming. Cool. Yeah. I think, honestly, out of all of those so far, I still haven't gone back to Iron Fist. But Luke Cage is the series that I actually ended up liking the best because it had the most style. I got a recommendation me. for you then. The soundtrack is actually really no. Song. I would bet it is. I I, I, I really I bought the uh, bought the soundtrack uh, a couple of weeks after the show came out. You know what I need to do? So there's a Guardians of the Galaxy record player from those guys that sell them at Target. What it was that brand that makes those standalone like that look like right, the fifties the, the the kind you take on a picnic with your mm-hmm. with. So they've got a Guardians of the Galaxy theme one. And I'm like, this is finally what I'm going to get because I don't have a room for the stereo system that right, I used right. to have. You know. Um, and I need a turntable. I need a turntable because I got I got a lot of records. But that to me is one of those. I want to start investing in you know picking up some of those Mondos, like the so the yellow vinyl Luke Cage oh. soundtrack album would be great. I mean I'm willing to buy it on CD, but I'm I'm woefully behind, you know. But I I really want to CD. I mean I just downloaded it. Man. I know you do, but I but I I like to have something tangible. I know. It's nice. And I should stop doing that. I should just download it. But then I'm afraid my phone's going to fill. Um, 
Can I talk about a little bit, uh, when we say getting back to Guardians of the Galaxy, that of course this last week was the uh, opening of the ride. Envious. Uh, you'll go with D- I will. after I'll D23. Go after D23. Uh, yeah, Hopefully go- it won't be shut down. Oh, no, you know, uh, so uh, apparently uh, they've had a little bit of trouble with the audio animatronic of Rocket. Mm. Only a little. Um, And uh, he went. He's just being Rocket. Yeah, exactly. No, I I didn't actually expect it. I was like, I, you know, they take you into the the office of the collector. And uh, so it's like where Rod Serling would come in and, and, you know, do the Twilight Zone video. So it's a video of Benicio del Toro, and then Rocket crashes through the ceiling, and because he's already escaped, and you know goes, and so that's the audio animatronic, and it's you know it's not an animatronic, but it's still really cool. Is it and as it, good as the Indiana Jones character? In... Well, it looks a lot more like the real Rocket okay. than, than Indiana Jones looks like. Well, they keep the Ford. Indiana Jones character in shadow. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I've seen you know. I look hard, and it doesn't look like Harrison Ford. Yeah. But you know, to be fair, the Johnny Depp, the Jack Sparrow doesn't. Oh, not all of them look that much like Johnny Depp, and the Jeffrey Rush figure doesn't look like Jeffrey Rush at all. You saw the the video of people that people had shot when Johnny Depp was yes, yes. on the ride, yeah. and I can't tell you for at least a week. Number of people sent it. They're, they're saying no, no, be, not not only that, but but people like the crowds for pirate. I was there the week, oh. the like three days afterwards. And the crowds, the line for Pirates of the Caribbean, people thinking maybe he's going to do it again. Yeah. I'm like, no, he's not. The publicity right. stunt has been done. Yeah. It's okay. More likely he's show up, he'll show up on Small World. That would be great. <laughs> it's a small world. <laughs> um, and, but not as Jack Sparrow. He'll just be drunk on It's a Small right, World. Right, right. And they're going to get out, Mr. Depp. Uh, so... I was one of those who really mourned the loss of Tower of Terror. I loved the presentation of that ride. Uh, as Debbie Brechneider is not a big fan of those drop rides, uh, I can understand people who, that don't. It's the presentation. It's the it's the little details, and a lot of it still exists. You know, it's an overlay that they kept as many books as they could and kept as many much of the decor as they thought well, they could collective. get away with it. Um, yeah, I mean, you go in and there are so many Easter eggs on display like i don't even know what half the crap hanging above you when you walk into the lobby is uh there is a foggy cage small cage with flashes of purple coming through Hmm. which i'm reassured is figment from disney world but i i couldn't honestly say that but clearly uh, uh cosmo is there in a cage okay and he moves a little bit and the lobby while you're waiting in the Cosmo line, being the, uh, the, the dog, Russian dog, the, the, the in Russian spacesuit. Uh, there's an Ultron drone, and you have to pay attention in the ride because the Ultron drone comes back. Uh, um, and it's kind of interesting that even though this is the movie actors, Disney is saying they're kind of creating their own continuity among the rides. Yeah, and I. But I also think the Ultron drone might be a clue since we know they're going to stay more cosmic. After the Infinity War is over, uh-huh. well, the Guardians, this version of the Guardians came together because of Ultron in the comics, right? His consciousness had been out there and he found the, and he got, uh, united the phalanx, mm-hmm. right? And brought him in. So I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting that maybe we can imply 
Ultron escaped because James Spader is too good to go. I'm not saying I know anything. I really don't. But I just thought, oh, it's interesting that Ultron play is it's a throwaway. Yeah, you may not notice, and that's that's the other genius of this is that the lines being what they are. There are six songs slash six ride experiences. So basically, that the Walkman gets plugged in, and there and there are six. Uh, you know, po- songs that that uh, Star Lord would have listened to six songs that you could listen to one of any on any given ride through. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's, yeah, yeah. So yeah. one each song has a different vague variations in plot. Uh, it's trying to break analog to the Star Tours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with the lines that they are, you could go to California Adventure and ride it twice and have two different rides, and you know you have to come back to the park again to see to see more. I've I. <laughs> Don't ask how, don't ask why. My spine is permanently compressed. I wrote it eight times on Sunday. And <laughs> I think the, the burp the right burp there was, was great was, timing. Was yeah. Good timing. And five times in a row got free ride by the Edgar Winter Group, <laughs> uh, Edgar Winter Band. And it was just like. It's a great song for a ride. No, it, it was great <laughs> the first time. It was fun the second. By the time of the fifth. You're like, no. If there had not been children in my gantry, shall we say, I would have sworn louder than the ride itself. And it's pretty loud because I'm just like, I want to experience something else. And I'm texting my friend, one of my friends who had ridden and he said, no, I don't believe you. There's no other one. And then after I had actually gotten a different one, I said, yeah, we finally got another one. He didn't, I, cause I'd never said I got free ride five times. He had gotten born to be wild. <laughs> so he thought that I was saying it was more than I was like, yeah, this. And I said, I don't know. You're even describing a different scene that I I didn't see. So I think I got born to that was it. I got born to be wild. Uh, I want you back by the Jackson Five, uh. which then became sort of I I think makes the most sense storyline wise because you actually get to see the breakout uh, in 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 that. Uh, what was the other one? Oh, hit me with your best shot, which I just enjoyed because I love that song so much. <laughs> but you know, it was like, and I can leave there. I didn't want to top. Uh, I can't remember what the other. To our, uh, there's a Parliament song is one of I know it oh. is something about uh, I got the funk. So, step up with, yeah. it, it has funk in the title, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I do not have funk in my title, so I don't know. Um, but it was it, it, you know it was exciting theming. They definitely went into their old uh, into the D23 vault, the actual warehouse, and pulled some things because there are pieces of rides from oh, Disneyland cool. from years past as well as one of the offices not both has the crimson crimson bands of Sidorak on the wall so I was like looking trying to find where are the Marvel things oh that's the movie version of the crimson bands of Sidorak so that was cool uh and the gift shop uh, sorry <clears throat> the collector's warehouse which has a doubly entente I guess you know it's both uh you know uh they have made up for all their mistakes in marketing uh, for the first one. Plenty of Gamora stuff. Okay. Uh, but the thrilling coup de grace of it is that you can buy a plush Howard the Duck who comes in a collector's cage, uh, you know, which is actually cardboard. And, uh, and you and took plastic. yours out of the box. Oh, of course I did. <laughs> uh, actually because uh, a toy blog, Idle Hands, I know this guy Paul Nicolas, uh, he um, – he messaged me on Facebook and said, oh, "Could I? Could you take photos?" And uh, he still hasn't run them, but I, maybe he'll he'll do, he'll do it. They, they're a toy blog, 
And uh, so I said, yeah, and I wish I had gotten the message earlier because I would have at least – there's also a, a plush Cosmo and there's a plush Baby Groot in that thing. But also, as we suspected, Guardians of the Galaxy, Mission Breakout, the comic book – Is right there. Huh? Is right there. Spinnerack? No. Oh. But with a park-exclusive cover. Ah. Which I don't actually like as much as the one that they released on the stands. But still, it was there. Yeah. That's one half of the store is Guardians of the Galaxy stuff and some really cute stuff. I'll, I'll admit it. And then on the other half is uh, the Summer of Heroes stuff. Okay. So Spider-Man, Captain America, Black Widow, Hawkeye. I loved, because I was standing in line, this black... Uh, Humvee comes out with, uh, I guess, an ATV, all-terrain vehicle with Black Widow in the turret. Um, so they do they do a show with Black Widow and Hawkeye oh. on, on the somewhere down in the Hollywood studio, and uh, they have Guardians of the Galaxy theming themed foodstuffs uh, over wow. over the, over there. Uh, and then there's a dance. Is that off. the area? Did they take over the area that used to be um, the Muppet Show? Uh, the Muppet Show is currently uh, a Pirates of the Caribbean preview, but uh, okay, but yeah, in that back area that where area that back. has never really been, they've just thrown. They've things had live in, shows, the back Mad there. Tea Party, yeah, yeah. that kind of stuff. So now it's it's the Summer of Heroes. Okay, and uh, then in front of the ride uh, is a Guardians of the Galaxy dance off. Star Lord and Gamora have to dance, and they get audience members to come up and dance. And then at the end of it, Groot. Don't think of the time warp if you've just seen Baby Groot on the ride because right. he's cute. And then an actually really effective Groot costume. Uh, I think I've seen pictures. Comes of it. out. Well, I saw. I I ran a couple photos that the publicity photos they'd run. The costume doesn't look as good as it does oh, in real okay. life. And I mean, just kids swarming over that Groot. It's like. You know, and that's and that's what sold me. It was when I saw a little kid get on this ride with the uh, rocket uh, sweatshirt, you know, with the hoodie, and oh, it's right, all fun. Right. I'm like, um, seeing all these kids is like in a way that Twi- Tower of Terror really scared little kids in anticipation. Yeah, they would get off having loved it. They, you know, I I don't think uh, I ever saw a kid really lose their crap. Right, but it was, but they were losing it before. It was creepy. But now it's. I'm going to help Rocket. Yeah. And that's what the park should be about. Mm-hmm. So I, I got over my, my last vestige of mourning the Tower of Terror because this is an adventure for kids. And it's uh, I can hardly wait to take my son because uh, he didn't like the Tower of Terror. Rod Serling creeped him out. So this is the one that will get him in. And there's plenty of good merchandise, which you can avoid or not. Um, and it is interesting because they really moved all the Marvel stuff to that gift shop. There's no place else in the park that really has that presence. They also moved all the Star Wars stuff out of California Adventure. Hmm. And it had been. Um, I mean, there, I think there are still T-shirts in, uh, like, I, I, you know, I admit this. I, I must be old or feeling like I have disposable income for the first time in my life. That I, I make sure I walk around at all the gift shops and see what's what's new, what's been, what's been added in. Um, so, and yes, I did buy... Uh, a ride t-shirt for it um the interesting thing about all this summer of heroes which is in marvel colors disney is not allowed to use the word marvel in its advertising interesting because of the deal with islands of adventure at university in orlando wow but they've got spider-man yeah they've got spider-man they don't 
say they have Spider-Man. They just show up. No, no, no. It, it is interesting because you walk in the sign, the, you know, the entrance gate to summer to California Adventure has this Summer of Heroes in red and white. It's right. in Marvel font, right? But they can't say, say Marvel. Marvel. And so it's just it's just kind of interesting. It's Again, so it's sad a, too because having just gone to Islands of Adventure, that is such a pathetic part of the park. It really feels like. Did you ever go to Pacific Ocean Park in L.A.? It's, nah, I'm not that old. It was just like a bunch of cardboard facades. I'll on, admit to watching ISIS, but I won't. Uh, so so it was a, on a pier, and it was a bunch of facades. Was that the Santa Monica Pier? Yeah. So, oh yeah, no, no, I never. Re- I mean, actually, some of Santa Monica Pier is still there. Yeah. The, the, uh, Ferris wheels still there, but it, it, it felt like that, just kind of like something you'd you'd kind of like buy plywood paint, paint and tack up on the front of a building. It's like really sad. Yeah. Um. Well, the Spider-Man ride is, I hear, really good. The Spider-Man ride is really good. Yeah, but um, you know, so this is. It feels the, like the MTV Spider-Man. This show. is this is Marvel's. Uh, this, sorry, this is Disney's. Uh, well, second expansion because the the Iron Man experience is in Hong Kong. Um, I really haven't heard people talking about it though, because I think it's kind of an Iron Man version of Star Tours. Yeah, but this was, you know, it, it justified. I mean, yes, it's still the same ride in theory as Tower of Terror, but they did some really cool things with it. And then there is this mysterious Avengers hatch that's on the grounds of the tower, or I'm sorry, of of the Tivon collection. Um. And that's another one. There's this great painting, and I put it on Fanboy Planet, uh, that shows uh, the collector and the grandmaster playing a board game, and the grandmaster is lost. So it's Jeff Goldblum like sweeping the board off while Benicio del Toro is looking really smug. Um, so you can see see that. And there, you know, I think the the ride does a better job of explaining who the collector is than the movie. Than the movies, <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, and and so it's really cool. Um, there are rumors, and I, I really don't don't know that uh, that they may expand out or take over some some other space for more Marvel rides. But I think I well, my suspicion is you're going to focus on Star Wars Land for the next two years. Yeah, I mean it's interesting because maybe since we're West Coast, is not talking a lot about Pandora, which well, opened the, up over at Disney. They World. do kind of border Car Wars Land, right? Uh, Car Wars Land. Car Wars. <laughs> Car Wars Land. Cars Land. Cars Land. Uh no, it, well, it, it doesn't it come up about the back. It comes it? up to it's a bug land. It it it, it, it yeah. goes up against a bug's land. A bug's and life. then you walk yeah. through a bug's land yeah. and uh, through and to car cars land. Right. I'm just think. I'm thinking. I think there's one. I think they overbuilt the cars land a bit. Just I, I Radiator Springs is great. Most of that Main Street is great. There. There's some of some of the. It's not taking up as much real estate as you'd think. Okay, um, but bugs. Anything related to the Bugs Life thing? That's a dated movie that wasn't that popular when it when it came out. But it's packed, and I'll tell you, and why? Because it's the it's it's the, the little kids can little go, kids. and you need yeah. that section. It's the fantasy land. Yeah. Um, no, I mean you know, the thing is, California Adventure has long been suffering from the problem of it was poorly thought out in the first place. Yeah. And now. I was like, I was hoping. It's like, oh well, they opened Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like, great. Now it's that 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 one more ride that the park needed. Oh, they lost. You know, they gave up the ride, one of the good rides to do this, and mm-hmm. so you know, you're still it's still 120 minutes to ride Radiator Springs Racers. Uh, you know, and 
and Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, at one point I saw a four-hour line for it. Uh, that may die down a little bit, but it hasn't taken the traffic. It's not, you know, the traffic hasn't spread. Is basically Toy Story Mania, Midway Mania, people, people really like. They need one or two more rides and I think there is room we just don't know about. I it. think they could they could potentially lose uh, the theater where they used to have the Aladdin show because no, it's frozen right now. They is can't it frozen? Lose, they can't lose. They're it. not going to lose that because it, it's actually a really good show. Okay, I'll go see it. Um, uh, the Aladdin show is really good too. You have to get a you have to get a fast pass in the morning to really go, yeah oh, cool. But it, it is a really good. The Good problem show. with that area is that they stage everybody all at once for the theater, so they have to have a huge area outside the theater yeah. for everyone to be out there. But I think it's like what they're doing with Star Wars Land. There was a lot of space behind that were parking lots for yeah. employees and so forth, and now they're building a new center across the street. for. And I think that's going to include employees. Yeah. So everybody's going to have to shuttle in. But if they take that space, that's where you can build out. Because okay. I, I, I would agree with you, there are, that Hollywood backlot is floundering. Yeah, um, there's a whole. I think when I did the Mad Tea Party, there was an arcade. Oh, it was Tron when they had yes. those Knights of Tron, yes. whatever they called that. Those are fun. There was a building yeah. that was um, that they had an arcade. They put set up Flynn's arcade, but right now it's not anything. So it could be something. I'd hate to see the Monsters, Inc. ride go away because I just think it's cute. But it also yeah. takes up a lot yeah. of real estate. Yeah. And then there's where they have Arendelle set up in Frozen over there. But I don't think they need that anymore. And then we're going to lose Muppet Vision 3D. But they like having the theater there because they have movie premieres right. there. Right, right. So, you know, I, yeah. I there's, there's a lot of different places where it could go. But I'd hate to lose the theming of the Hollywood backlot. I'd rather that Marvel. It's just it's it is very poorly thought out. I've gone into I've gone into rooms. I've gone into I've walked in like been five minutes into one of those 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 exhibits, yeah. and I I'm like going, what's the purpose of this? I'm I I can't find anybody who's doing anything. Which it's, exhibits are you talking? I'm, about? I'm thinking of the animation one. Oh, but I think kids love that and the turtle talk with uh, turtle talk with crush. Yeah, I I haven't gone on it since my kids were little. Yeah, but you know, again, I they're popular. They're not for you. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting because uh, Lon Lopez is down there right now. And uh, he texted me and I said, oh, you know, I, I got to be back up in San Jose. Uh, so I, I couldn't take the day off and, and go with him. And, and go with them. But I thought, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting, which I haven't obviously done in a long time, an experience of having a two-year-old mm-hmm. in that park. And what you can and cannot do. I said, well, like, you're going to do Guardians. And I went, oh, you can't do Guardians. There's no way Sam can no, be on that. No. And he said, well, I might go by myself. And so I said, yeah, that's interesting. I, you know, it, it's just the experience changes. And you got to have something. That's the purpose of those part. You yeah. know, the point of what Walt wanted was for people to be able to experience it as a family. Right. And, you know, there's got to be enough for each thing. I think they need one more e-ticket. Even though that phrase is outdated, yeah, uh, they need one more e-ticket in California Adventure. They got plenty of good little kid rides, I think. But be- but because they're taking, o- they took over other spaces like the Little Mermaid. The Little Mermaid right. is really cute. It's fun. It's relaxing. Right. But the way that's laid out, 
is so wasteful in space yes. compared to what over in Fantasyland the similar it never rides takes are. up the, the line space. I mean, it's always. I, I actually, I was there a month ago, and that's how you knew that the parks were overcrowded. That was filled. I up. had it was yes wow. the the um f- the fool you around the corner line that you yeah know, yeah had to do that for Little Mermaid. I'm like this park is too crowded. And what they'd done was they so for SoCal they sold a hundred and fifty dollar ticket that was good for three days. You chose which days, and I I had no idea that was happening. So I went on the last Sunday or the second to last Sunday that those tickets were good. So every local went to the parks. <laughs> it was just like, wow. Uh, and I went because I I wanted to see the Main Street Electrical Parade. So, you know, it was fine. But it was yeah. like, I just was like, I can't believe there's a line for Little Mermaid. I can't I, believe. The last couple of times we've gone. You're when, looking at me as if I'm lying. No, 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 no. Yeah. The last couple of times we've gone and Debbie said, no, we're going to go ride the Little Mermaid. We have walked right into the dark And most of, of the it. time I yeah. do. And and I, I and I I love that ride. I, I love the way I love the way it tells the story. I love mm-hmm. the way the figures look and the and everything. But you know, it does take up too much space. Yeah. And 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 Monstropolis, whatever monster Sully to the rescue, uh, is the same thing. And you know, it was. But man, did they fix a horrible ride by turning it into Monsters Inc. You know, so I mean, there's creativity. Ha. Huh. Let us think about that because, you know, this summer we're all going to uh, D23 Expo. Can't wait. Uh, I'm thrilled that there's a, that, that the average person is going to be, a, there, there's a, the charging stations for the phones. It's all going to be Oswald themed. That, that station, uh, that, that lounge, as they call it. Right. Open space will be themed to Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. So I'm excited about that. Uh, Happy bunny. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, now you're just being that. It's making you seem like a senior citizen. Like we need to get you that Amazon Silver, mm. that Echo Silver that Saturday Night Live advertised. Did you see that ad? I think I did. Where they're like, it I was answer, working as I was watching. It answers to any name that might sound like it might be Alexa. Uh, <laughs> so, and it's also trained to say, uh huh. When right. you start rambling, that's right. I did see that. <laughs> Which is probably what people are doing right now. So thank you. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> we'll talk about this later. Uh, anyway, once again, of course, you, speaking of Amazon, you can, of course, uh, find any of the books we talked about. Uh, if you can't find it at your local brick and mortar. And again, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, tweet us at fanboyplanet. Dot, uh, dot com. It's just at fanboyplanet, isn't it? Um, and check out. I uh, got a lot of Wonder Woman stuff up this week. It is, of course, uh, and regular Doctor Who coverage and more. Ah, the more. Uh, so, uh, thank you so much for listening. I'm Derek McCaw, editor in chief of fanboyplanet.com. And I'm Rick Bretzlander reminding you to use your powers only for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.